just a little bit. I need to hear James's voice. <laughs> oh, James. <laughs> Hello. Oh, hey, James. And hello, listener. Welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And today, we're going to get dangerous. We're going to get scary. Yeah. We're going to talk about jobs. Jobs. (laughs) Yeah. Scary jobs. Captivating our audience already with this one. Yeah, Yeah, that's what we're here to do. We do it every week, don't we? James, how have you been? Been good. How about you guys? We've been hanging in there. Yeah. I'm mm. just, you know, I'm just like a little feather on the wind. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just going where the good Lord sends me. Mm, I'm getting would, Forrest Gump flashbacks. That's what that's what I'm here for. Uh, one of my favorite movies. That's one of those she movies. She likes chocolate. So. I do love chocolate. Mm-hmm. No, Forrest Gump is one of those movies that, like, I know it's long. And I, I know that if it comes on TV, I'm like, this is a long movie. And then I can't not watch it. Hmm. Yeah. Do you guys have any movies like that? Like, if you see it on TV, you're like, oh, yeah, it's, I don't want to watch it. It's tough for me to walk away from The Godfather or Pulp Fiction. The Godfather? I've never seen Pulp Fiction. What? I've never seen it. Oh, no I know, drugs. James. I know. I know, James. <laughs> Cece hasn't seen much Tarantino, actually. Mm. Like, just you know, very it, little. I like, this is like such a hipster thing to say, but I like his older stuff better. Like, I like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and, uh, even True Romance and Four Rooms, which is a really obscure one, more than I like his newer stuff, which isn't an in- indictment of his newer stuff. It's just I prefer his older stuff. Was it more gritty? Eh, not really. He, he wrote True Romance, though, right? Yeah. He didn't direct that. I think, what, Tony Scott directed that? I one? think you're right. Yeah. And um, But yeah, I like I like his older stuff. Actually, I like some of his newer stuff, uh, but not within the last like. <laughs> I love how years. this turned into Alex and I's uh, film podcast. Well, yeah, that's why I'm just sitting here and I'm like, oh, Alex is talking about directors now. Because mm. in Monsters vs. Men, he talks very deeply about film. Yeah. Yeah. What did you What did you talk about this week on? Well, it was a recap episode, but we talked about the best of the best 21st century monster movies. I watched so. one of those with you. You watched a couple of them with me. Yeah, I yeah. did. There, yeah. There were some good ones. Yeah, we had a big tournament bracket. We had people vote for weeks, I guess months. It's wild. Voting. So, yeah, that was, it, was, it was a blast. Monsters versus Men, if you want to check that out. <clears throat> but, Alex, you didn't tell us what's a movie that when you see it on TV, you've got to watch it. You know, I think now, like, we don't have really live TV much anymore, but if a Marvel movie was on, there's zero chance I'm going to be able to stop watching it. That's true. Mm-hmm. There's a 0% chance. And then a lot of comedies, like mm-hmm. a lot of comedies, like Waterboy would have been that way uh, back in the me, day. For me, Dumb and Dumber. Like I can't. Oh, Dumb, Dumb and Dumber for or sure. Or Tommy Boy. Yeah. When yes. I started dating Alex, he had a poster of Dumb and Dumber in his apartment. I did. <laughs> it was all. I, for me, it's just um, Forrest Gump and Titanic. For some reason, I cannot turn off Titanic if it's on TV. Mm-hmm. I sit down. I'm like, oh, great. This is too long. I'm not going to watch it. And then I watch the entire thing. Happens mm-hmm. every time. But anyways, um, I guess, you guys, that was an easy icebreaker, but but we want to give our hearty hellos to people, right? Yeah. Nah. Let me pull up my <laughs> map. Okay, one second, guys. I wasn't ready. Oh, it looks well, like we have- Our map, well, remember, our, our thing just rolled over. Yeah, so. it just rolled over. Technically, we're recording this in June, but tomorrow is July, so our map has rolled over from June to July because yeah. of time zones. So, as of right now, we only have <laughs> listeners for July yeah. in Nevada. <laughs> nice. 
Pennsylvania. <laughs> and unknown. And one unknown area. So, yeah, so <laughs> those are our hearty hellos <laughs> today. We're going to stay authentic everybody. to the map. But you we, know, we could probably think of a country that we know. That I know and think me out. Hey, hey, uh, thank you, Argent Germany. Germany, for your listen. Thank yeah, Germany always listens. So, Germany, <laughs> claps for Germany. We love everyone <laughs> in Germany. Um, so, those are our hearty hellos. Also, we want to say thank you to all of our beautiful patrons for supporting our Patreon, which, if you want to go take a look at it, it is on our website. I almost said monstersversusmen.com, 13floorpodcast.com. So anyways, is there any other general chat you guys just want to carry on before we hop on into our topic? I want to generally chat about these jobs. So first, we got fast (laughs) food. All right, Taco Bell is the most dangerous. (laughs) Fast food. What's your guys' favorite fast food establishment? That'll be just our really quick icebreaker after. Taco Bell. Uh, but, Series? But, All right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. But but Taco Bell has fallen from grace over the last year and a half. He's been very upset. Their menu has become so limited. It is shocking. It's just, it is disturbing what is happening huh. in that place. James, do you want to hear what happened when Alex was recovering from his surgery? Sure. Um, uh. Okay. So I take a nap on the couch and I wake up and Alex is gone. <laughs> and... I'm like, where the hell did he go? He's supposed to be upstairs resting. And he had driven to Taco Bell. And he got there and he tried to order, what was it, a steak burrito? A steak quesarito. Steak quesarito. They didn't have it. They told him that they didn't have it. And then he got mad. Yeah, they're like, oh, no, that's an online order item. What? Or an online only item. I was like, what? I was like, I just came and got this a few days ago. What are you talking about? He goes, well, we'll have to look at who was scheduled that day and we'll write them up. I'm like, oh, my What God. the heck? I'm uh, seeing this uh, more and more. It's like they punish people for leaving their house. Yeah. It's so right? weird. It's like, well, it is weird. yeah, we, we don't have any of the things that we normally have in stock uh, if you come to our physical location. But if you order it on DoorDash, we'll bring you eight ball of Coke and whatever else you want. Like it's <laughs> weird. Exactly. Well, it is weird, but I went to another location and yeah. I had it. Alex went but to another location. I was feeling really awful. He got so tired that he That's just because you're not supposed to be out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was. I, uh, the journey was like way more exhausting. Just he, completely exhausting than I ever imagined. He took a nap imagined. in the car and I was just like, where are you? I didn't you? take a nap. I ate in the parking lot, this which is isn't unusual amazing. for me. But I was like... I was really tired. I was like, yeah. Between this and the the hallucinations you get when you're sick, I, I think you need life alert or something. This is insane. <laughs> well, it, it also was odd because the medicines that I was on to help me recover and like, like oh it, made, <laughs> it made it impo- like really hard for me to sleep. And I, uh, yeah, I was out there. Cece called me. Where are you? I was like. I'm eating in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was wow. I was livid. But yeah, Alex, you need you need like a house arrest blank. Yeah, I didn't go back out I, after I got back home. I was like, yeah, that was a really bad mistake. I'm going to. I, I, I literally went to bed as soon as I got home. Yeah, Man, amazing. James, what's your favorite fast food establishment? Uh, it's a, a close tie between Chick Fil A and Culver's. Ooh, oh, yeah. good choices. Look at Jay's over there twirling his mustache over there. He's got that class. He does have class. 
Oh, Lots man. of class, James. Those flipping, what do they call them? Cheese uh, curds. <laughs> well, the oh, uh, the frozen custard things. So they got a special word oh, for them. Those you're are a custard good. guy, James. Yeah. I'll see you. Um, I'll see concretes. You. Yeah, concrete mixers. Oh, my God. Yeah, That's all so these good. all these people who talk about flipping in and out burger and all that. You have no idea if you've never had a concrete mixer. <laughs> oh boy, uh, my fast my favorite fast food restaurant used to be Wendy's, and now Wendy's just makes me really sick when I eat it. And so, James, I actually think that I'm right there with you. Culver's is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Chick Fil A is really high up there too. Yeah, Chick Fil A is awesome. Oh man, it's summer too. Peach shakes. I'm, I'm getting one probably Friday. Look at James and his peach. <laughs> 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 I think it's time. <laughs> it's, it's time. Oh my god! It's time to talk about jobs. <laughs> oh, that's my. That's gotta be the uh, the end credits. Uh, Easter egg. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, we'll god. have one of those this week. Okay, so so you guys, today's topic: scariest slash most dangerous jobs submitted to us by Mike. So Mike, thank you again for submitting this topic. But it was a bit of a challenge. At least for me mm-hmm. to to find research on. I may mix it up a little bit on my own little way. Yeah, we'll see you, Alex. How scary Alex's are, but um, <laughs> I like I'm getting mocked already. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I figured that we could start off with a list of the most dangerous occupations of 2020. The list is not available yet for 2021, and let's be honest. Like, I wonder, I wonder what the 2021 list will be, since everybody's still working at home. Well, looking at your list, it's probably the same. Probably the same. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read it. But ten on the, and I don't know if these are like in a specific order, but they are. It looks like they are. First line supervisors of landscaping, lawn service, and groundskeeping workers. In 2020, there were 48 fatalities. Oh, I, I lied. These are not in a specific order. <laughs> That's why, yeah. Okay. Nine first line supervisors of construction trade and extraction workers. Eight mm. is structural iron and steel workers. Seven is farmers, ranchers, and agricultural managers. 257 deaths last year. Six is truck drivers and other drivers. Which is the number one, just so you know, in terms of deaths and stuff like that. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, five, uh, refuse and recyclable material collectors, which I didn't think would be on the list. They, they actually end up, uh, so I read this really long article. I'm not, I, I didn't do it for this. I, I was going to do it for this, but. I didn't know if it was lethal enough. <laughs> so, um, oh but apparently they actually run over a lot of people. Oh, especially my gosh. in New York. They, they kill like eight, something, eight or at least eight people a year. Wow. Oh. Running them over. Well, thanks, Alex, for that. Yeah. <sighs> uh, fourth on the list is roofers, which makes sense. You're up high, fall off roof, do a little tumble. Three aircraft, pi- aircraft pilots and flight engineers. Two was fishers and related fishing workers, which makes sense also if you're mm-hmm. on a boat out in the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then in the number one place was logging workers. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. And you guys, after we drew this from the bays last week and we stopped recording last week's episode, we always, after we finish recording, we always talk about, okay, this is what we drew from the bays. How do we want to kind of split it up so that we can go do our research and then reconvene and record? But after last week's episode, when we drew this topic, James just immediately said he was doing logging and ranchers, yep. and they were on this list, as you just heard. Um, so James is going to be kind of starting us off today with some information on perhaps the most 
enthralling topic we've ever covered logging. <laughs> so James, take it away. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's weird to think about how dangerous logging really is because well, let, let's start with just the inherent nature of logging. You are cutting down trees that are falling. And mm. what people don't consider is they fall on people. Like they do. Oh. It, it sounds trivial, but they do. And additionally, trees have lots of branches. And as they fall, they tend to lose those branches because it strikes against other trees and those other trees lose branches and a falling branch. I mean, when you consider how heavy they are, how many of them there are and how distant they fall, it's, it's kind of astonishing that the mortality rate is what it is. And uh, hmm. one of the reasons why I was interested in this is I have recently uh, watched a, <laughs> a TikTok by a logger and this was, this was well before we drew this from the vase, and it kind of fascinated me because he was talking about insurance for loggers because it's crazy. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, life insurance and health insurance. Well, we had some trees fall in our backyard during a storm last year, mm. and we had to find somebody to come and cut down the trees. Yeah. And number one, expensive as heck. But number mm. two, you have to find somebody who's insured. Like never hire somebody to do this for you unless they are insured. Right. Yeah. yeah unless you plan on burying them yourself. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's that's a huge part of it. It's not just a question of health <laughs> and life. It's also a question of liability because if, if somebody is not insured, uh, doesn't matter how how what their track record at logging is if they get hurt on your property you could be liable so if you actually look though at like logger health and life insurance it's and uh, forgive me all you loggers listening for making such a macabre comparison but it's it, it's less about spreading risk and it, it almost follows more the way a deadpool does <laughs> it's it's more of a question of that it simply relies on the fact that some people in that profession are not going to make it like it's, it's a given. That's dark. It is dark. Uh, but I mean, if, again, if you think about it, you know, they are cutting down trees. Trees are gigantic. Trees are heavy. Trees need to be then transported. When you're transporting logs, a lot can go wrong, you know, because that's going to very, very, very much alter the overall um, center of gravity of whatever transports it. So there's just a lot that can go wrong when it comes to logging. It is an incredibly dangerous profession. Um, some of the big causes of death, as you might imagine, are limbs falling on people, trucks flipping over, and, of, of course, when people actually cut down the trees. You know, sometimes the tree falls on them. And one thing that people don't think about, and this is something that I have never personally experienced despite um, – Having some experience with chainsaws, I have never personally ever seen a kickback, but I am absolutely terrified of it. So, What's a kickback? For those of you who don't know, sometimes if a chainsaw cuts something that just ends up being too hard and plenty of wood, you know, it, wood is not a very consistent thing. It does change as you go from one layer to the next, you know, especially the heartwood tends to be harder than, say, the surrounding wood. So as it gets through these areas and, and you end up with things that are not consistent, sometimes the, the chainsaw will simply 
hit something hard and recoil and just fly yeah. back. It's, it bounces. I don't, it bounces. I don't like that. It is mortifying. I'm, I'm amazed that there hasn't been like a chainsaw built that sort of runs off of kind of a, um, oh shoot, what's that thing? Like a gyroscope, you know, kind of like how some steady cams work <laughs> where it's not going to kick back. But uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about is just the dangers of agriculture. I figured this one would be like a, a few personal stories and, and some statistics and and some uh, secondhand stories. Because uh, as you guys know, I, I grew up on a cattle farm. And yeah. one thing people don't consider when it comes to agriculture is you're working with animals every day. And people don't think about livestock in general. Like it literally, like dissect the name. It Stock is something that you make a profit off of. And it's something that you make a profit of that is alive. It's live stock. So you're dealing with something that has a mind and thoughts and feelings. And anything that has a mind and thoughts and feelings is unpredictable. So if you actually look at two of the number one killer animals, and we've, we've gone over this before in previous episodes. If you look at the two animals that are the number one killers in the United States, they would be the honeybee and cattle. Cattle are, are really high up there. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Honeybees, simply because people are allergic and one sting, if you're allergic, can be extremely bad. And I mention this also because beekeepers are 100% in agriculture. And one thing people don't know about beekeeping, I, I'm also a beekeeper, is that just because you're not allergic to bees doesn't mean you're always not going to be allergic to bees. In fact, exposure to bee venom, and it's, it's widely believed that exposure even to bee venom that you haven't been injected with can lead to an allergy ultimately. And wow. people have noticed this. This is an interesting yeah. little phenomenon. Beekeeper wives for a long time have uh, developed rather intense bee allergies often before their husbands. And people were kind of like, why is this? What is going on? Why are so many beekeeper wives allergic to bees? Well, if you look at a traditional American household, women are more likely in that circumstance, to do laundry. And that includes a beekeeper suit. And one thing you may not know about beekeeper suits is they're designed to protect against bee stings. I think you probably know that, but what you may not know is that the bees do sting the suit, which means bee venom gets all over the suit, which means that whoever is folding it up, especially if they're putting it in an environment where it's going to be heated and hung out to dry, again, these are some older observations, you're going to inhale and possibly even uh, absorb through the skin trace amounts of bee venom. If you do that over a period of years, you can get exposed to it enough that your immune system's like, what's going on with this stuff? I don't like it. I don't trust it. We should totally have an overreaction and kill this person. Um, and that happens. And that's why I, for example, every time I've ever opened a beehive, I've always had an EpiPen on me for two reasons. One, I've actually never been stung, so I have no idea if I'm allergic or not. And, and two, even if you have been stung multiple times and have been fine, you never know which one might be the one where you have a reaction. So that's a real thing. That's a genuine concern if you're involved in beekeeping. Well, similarly, cows, I'm actually more amazed, and it's kind of like with logging. I'm, I'm amazed that loggers have the survival rate that they have when you, when you consider how dangerous the job is. Well, I'm also surprised and how many uh, cows kill people per year simply because it's a flipping 1,500-pound animal. It's a yeah. car. It's a car that people wrangle and rustle and, and have it do things that they want it to do, 
And this is, it goes hand in hand with a personal account. This is funny. It was the, the most dangerous day for me growing up. And all, all the personal accounts I'm going to tell you revolve around what I call medicine day, which is late June, early July, medicine day. It's hot. That sucks in and of itself. But uh, it's time to give medicine to the cows. And that means rounding all of them up and dealing with them and making them do things that they don't necessarily want to do. And there was one instance where we were doing this and we had a new hired hand and he and I were holding the gate uh, open and closed to let individual cows through to get treated. And at one point, a bull, the, the bull, was uh, was walking past and, you know, he was he was actually running back and forth because he didn't want to go. And the, the the new guy on the job, he makes some reference about, uh, what did he say? It was something like, he can't knock this over, can he? Something like that to me. And I said, if he knew he could, he absolutely would. And as if he understood what I said, <laughs> he hit the gate as hard as he could. And he and I, this hit me and the, this other fella, we got pinned against that gate hard. And, uh, you know, when you get hurt doing something like that, you're kind of in shock. So you just, you don't really notice. So we just kept it up. And that was, you know, we finished out the day. But when I got home and uh, I, I went to take a shower, like from my right thigh all the way down to almost my ankle was just black from a bruise. I mean, it was Ooh. just, it was, I was probably... 15% bruise, my body. <laughs> yeah, really. um, and it, I mean, it definitely hurts several days. I don't know how I didn't get a hairline fracture or anything. Um, oh, gosh. And, and another thing that people don't consider are the fact that a lot of farms deal with pesticides and other chemicals in order to deal with plants and animals. And then accidental exposure to that can lead to death. And I have two accounts on that. One is not personal and one is personal. My entomology professor, what got him interested in entomology was the fact that as a kid, they would spray, well, they would dust crops with pesticide powders. And these pesticides were a neurotoxin that would affect the, the nervous system of the insect, disrupt it and kill them. And he would observe these insects exposure. They would, they would start twitching and then they would fall over onto their back and they would fold their arms and their arms would twitch a little bit and then they would stop moving altogether. Mm. Well, fast forward of, you know, I don't know how long, but he's still a child and his father is going to dust crops with that and the bag breaks, completely covering him with that powder. And mm. of course, they, they had to call a hospital, et cetera. And he observed that his dad had the exact same symptoms that it affected him the same way it affects an insect. He was twitching his limbs. Then he fell over on his side, stiff as a board and his limbs started rattling. Of course, in this instance, he did survive, but it's an Good. easy example of how something like that could kill you. But that's what got him into entomology was the realization that pesticides affect people the same way they do insects. So cool. another chemical story that I have is uh, we, Generally, try not to use any pesticides on any crops, but I totally understand why some people do. But uh, one thing we do on Medicine Day, <laughs> this is another Medicine Day story, is we give ivermectin to the cows. And ivermectin is a powerful uh, compound that, that does a lot of things, actually. It suppresses immune response. And one of the things it does is it deworms cows. So I had a 
backpacky thing. Like think about what the Orkin man has, you know, those little spray backpacks with a little nozzle. Mm -hmm. And I was spraying ivermectin on top of the backs of the cows because it is very, very absorbable through the skin. This was a cow's concentration of ivermectin. So Uh it's very, very dangerous. And it was very important that you don't come in any contact with it. And we're doing that. And a cow runs into me very hard. And I strike the fence. And it's very hot and humid. So I am sweating like a pig anyway. So I keep, you know, keep up with it, blah, blah, blah. And I start realizing, I'm like, man, my back is so sweaty, like way too much, way more than it should be. And I look back and I notice that the canister has been broken. So, uh. so cow concentration of a lot, I mean, enough that really, like if you got it on a cow, you'd be worried. Like so much that if you got it on a full grown cow, you'd be like, oh, need to keep an eye on that one. It might die by the next day. I had that on me. So I immediately say, hey, I got to call it quits for today. I take the, the backpack off. I uh, head home, take a shower. When I get out of the shower and I look in the mirror, uh, if you've ever seen the Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns is mistaken for an alien, like my, I didn't have any irises. My, my eyes were black. My eyes were so black and my skin was the color of paper. I mean, you hear people make that comparison, but I would have made an albino look look like they had too much sun. You know what I mean? That is horrifying. Oh yeah, games. and my heart was humming. I mean, I mean, I'm not talking like palpitations. I'm talking like it was like a rabbit. Um, it was just blah 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 blah. And I thought, well, I'm gonna die. So I this is I was burning up. I was stressed <laughs> out, and I just I literally just crawled under my bed like a spider or something. Um, And I I folded my arms over my chest and I just basically died. Um, And then about 14 hours later, I woke up feeling like a million bucks. (laughs) And, uh, and this is, this is the sad bit. Uh, Nobody even knew I was gone apparently or was worried. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can just I imagine mean, James. Like, well, you know, they say that little animals run away when they know that their time is coming. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what you I, I 100% learned that about myself. Yeah. I, I, I'm just like that. Yeah, it turns out. But, uh, but yeah, agriculture, it, it can lead to a lot of deaths because of a number of things. You know, you've got electricity, like in the form of electric fences. Uh, but one of those surprising ones that people don't think about, and it is an astonishingly common way to die, is drowning in grain this is a this oh, is a common thing that horrifies me i've yeah. seen it doesn't happen in a movie it, it did I, I i can't remember which one it was, was I've, it seen, the, I've seen it happen in movies yeah yeah i always mm-hmm. thought it was ridiculous you thought it was what i thought it was ridiculous but oh it's 100 percent common um pretty much what happens you know if you think about it and I, I, I actually have known a few people that this has happened to um huh. nobody nobody very well and i don't mean that in a cold way but you know um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, do you hear about such and such? Like, this is what happened. But uh, anyway, what happens is you have these big silos of grain and they usually are filled with, you know, corn or, or uh, sweet feed, which has like molasses on it, just stuff in general, grains, dry goods. That's important. And these yeah. dry goods tend to be pulverized and very small and fine. And what happens is 
you open a, a grate to, to get it out, and sometimes you have to shovel it from the top, and I've done this many times, but I've never, and this is the important bit, I've never put a foot inside one of these containers. And this happens in silos too. It happens in, in both transportable silos, like what I was thinking of, but it also happens in regular stationary silos. But what happens is they get loaded with grain and then they get loaded onto other things, be it, you know, a, a back of a truck if it's a big silo or or just a 10-gallon bucket if it's a small one. But what happens, because you're dealing with a solid material, what happens is these pockets develop underneath. And sometimes these pockets can be very substantial, big, big, massive pockets of air. And so if somebody puts their weight on it, actually stands on that material, and it is common for people to do this if they're trying to get to something or they're actually trying to uh, prevent these air pockets or, or whatever reason happens to be. Um, and what happens, they think they're standing on terra firma and it gives way and they immediately fall and they're immediately covered in it. Well, here's the thing about when you get covered by a solid, unlike a liquid. You know, if you fall into water, your immediate instinct is to hold your breath. But if you get struck down into a solid, you know, it's going to knock the wind out of you and your immediate reaction is going to gasp. You're going to open your mouth. And you're going to breathe. And now your lungs are full of corn and other gritty materials. And they're just oh. going to ravage your lungs and you're going to die very quickly. And that wow. is a very common way that people die in agriculture. James, you yeah. have horrified me. <laughs> I don't know if I ever want to live on a farm now. Got to be careful around uh, silage. If we ever live on a farm, Alex, we'll just hire James to do all the, the hard stuff. <laughs> okay. But he's not allowed to do the ivermectin on the cows. Because okay. he's already had his close call with that. James is like, James... Um, you know, they say that cats have nine lives. I think that James has nine lives. How many do you think you have left? Oh, two or three, maybe. <laughs> well, we'll save the, those other stories for another episode. Good deal. I think it's my turn, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I feel like common theme through all of the dangerous jobs we're talking about is manual labor. And I know that on the list was structural iron and steel workers. So I kind of found something kind of along those lines. And I was talking to my dad because he loves ghost hunting shows. And I told him that we were talking about dangerous jobs. And he told me that I should cover a place that the ghost hunters went into on a recent episode. And that is Sloss Furnace in Birmingham, Alabama. Have you guys ever heard of this place before? No. Nope. It has a very dark history. That's why I'm talking about it today. But it was a pig iron producing blast furnace. Hmm. So steel and iron working workers, you guys. It was a pivotal business that really kind of gave the industrial revolution a big boost in the United States because they were producing materials that were used to lay railroads and build skyscrapers in New York City and just all around the globe. So it was a big money industry, but making iron and steel is not an easy process. And mm. running a blast furnace is hard work because you have to keep the furnace hot, hot, hot. And they did so by a few really low techniques. So, okay. So in the earlier years, and by the way, this place was opened in 1882, but in its earlier years in 1886, after Colonel James Withers Sloss, what a name, he opened the blast furnace and he was also apparently one of the founders of Birmingham itself, but he sold the factory to a group of investors whose main recruiting tactic was forcing convicted laborers, most of them African American 
to do all the grueling work. And so police would pick up these men, usually on completely fabricated or ridiculous charges. And then in order to pay their quote unquote debts, they were basically turned into slaves who had to work at these blast furnaces. <laughs> so that was kind of a way that they tried to continue slavery after slavery was abolished. <laughs> but the police would arrest these people and then sell them to the factory using peonage, which is basically a system that says, hey, you're arrested, you owe this money, and you can't pay, so you're going to pay with hard labor. So you that's- know it's shady when it's got peon in the name. It's 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 pretty messed up. It's something that I like didn't really realize happened. So yeah, me So that's pretty dark history there in and of itself. But another big oh no is in the early 1900s. Sloss hired basically a taskmaster who started to run the graveyard shift, and his name was James Slag Wormwood, which is just what gross the name. Yeah. Ugh. He, uh, he cracked the whip on his team during his reign and put everyone through excruciating workplace conditions. Obviously, I feel like everyone knows what the graveyard shift is. You start at dusk, you end at sunrise, you work overnight, and it is truly the worst thing in the world. Alex and I have both worked it. I did it for almost five years when I was working in news, and Alex used to work on the dock at UPS loading up trucks for delivery. Mm-hmm. The body is meant to sleep at night, you guys. Not work, so... There's a much higher risk of enduring injury when you're working the overnight shift because your brain is not operating at full capacity. It should be sleeping. Alex, do you have any wild night shift stories from the loading dock? Wild night shift stories? Yeah. What's something crazy that happened when you were working at a... Because I know that you guys had some Uh, hazmat situations. Remember you got stuff on your hands that one time? Yeah, I got poison on my hands. (laughs) Yeah. Some guy just drove off the dock and just completely obliterated his forklift and his back. <laughs> he was out for a while. He just completely just drove off. Just, just <laughs> there was like, yeah, there was supposed to be a trailer there and there was nothing there. But yeah, I mean, most of it wasn't related to being tired, though. Most of it was probably just negligence. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Alex. Of course, you might be more negligent when you're tired. So Yeah, probably. <laughs> I remember, Alex, you told me that one story where you you were trying to transport or pack these like t- tiny little balls oh my into a, a, a tractor trailer and it broke and they were just tiny little colorful balls all over the yeah yeah they, they use them for molds they would melt those balls down in, into molds but I, I tore a hole in it and they're everywhere <laughs> all you can do is cover it up and act like you never saw it happen <laughs> yeah so anyways <laughs> we could probably spend hours talking about all the bull crap the graveyard ship has to put up with working overnight Ooh. um I heard some hilarious things because basically when you work in news, at least for me, all you have to do is listen to police scanners all night. Even though when I worked in news, I was never supposed to tell anyone that we listened to police scanners. And I don't know why it was a big secret, but we had to just listen to police scanners all night long. And we would hear some things that were hilarious. But I also had to listen to some very dark and upsetting details, especially about active murder investigations. Listening to the police talk about, like, you know, we're on scene and there's a guy that's decap- decapitated here. Like, there was some crazy <laughs> stuff here when you're working in news. But actually, on our Patreon episode this week, 
James and I are going to be talking about news and propaganda. Yeah. And I'm going to share some more stories about just some things that happened when I worked in news. So if you want to listen to that, definitely tune into our Patreon episode. But anyways, let's get back to Sloss. So Taskmaster Wormwood, he's overworking these poor men. And most of them were immensely poor. They were only working the shift because they've got families to support. There's no other way to get money. Like they just, a lot of them were immigrants. And Sloss actually had them build quarters for these men on site. So many lived at the furnace. And so they would wrap up their shift for the day. And then Wormwood would be, Wormwood would be like, JK, get back here. Like right now. It's kind of like, it reminds me of how we're basically tied to our cell phones nowadays. Like, so you don't really have time off. These poor men were living where they worked. And so it was like, they could just go and knock on the door and say, Hey, you're needed. We need you to come and shovel some coal. Yeah. So it's interesting. But anyways, Sloss, there were some serious work-life balance issues here. And, you know, it's not good. So under Wormwood's reign, some 47 graveyard shifters ended up dying on the property. Damn. Which is a lot because he wasn't there that long. And others were just seriously injured. In one incident, there was an explosion and six men were burned blind. They survived, but they were burned blind. Jesus. Yeah, at the end of the day, Wormwood, he did end up getting his. Um, Legend has it that in October of 1906, for some reason, he was standing at the top of one of the furnaces. And I think that the specific furnace, because they all had names, and I think the one that he was standing atop was named Big Alice. And he was just standing there at the top, and then he tumbled, and oh, off he goes into the furnace, falling into a vat of melted iron ore. They said that his body melted instantly yeah so he fell he hit the oar and he just goes and he goes <laughs> <gone. much. laughs> oh man well he uh it's interesting because they say that the only time that he was ever near one of the furnaces was when he died so some people actually reckon that his workers drove him up there and threw him in just mm. because he was so evil Damn. But alternatively the heat and perhaps the gases from the methane, because there's methane everywhere, could have made him dizzy and he could have simply fallen in. Nobody really knows. But the graveyard shift ended shortly after his death. And part of it was because obviously, like, you know, that happened. But then also just some really weird things just started happening on the property. And so... A molten man started walking the premises. Yeah, you just wait, you just wait. (laughs) So there were rumors. They started to circulate that Wormwood's ghost was wreaking havoc at the furnace as a ghost or a monster. And you would hear him walking, clunk, clunk. (laughs) No, his death occurred about 65 years before the plant closed. Um, But lots of people would report having these really weird feelings, like they were being watched or there was just this devious presence about. And in 1947, three workers mysteriously disappeared, and they were all later found unconscious and locked inside a boiler room. And they claimed that a badly burned and disfigured person approached them and made them get into the room. And he kept telling them to push some steel. It was Wormwood? It was Sloth. (laughs) I don't know. Another terrifying (laughs) incident. That took place the day before the furnaces were scheduled to close once and for all, which happened in 1971. But the night watchman was, he was chilling, just minding his own business, keeping guard and whatnot. When all of a sudden he's approached by some creature is what he said. He said it was half man, half demon. And it tried to get him to go up the stairs to one of the furnaces. And he fought the thing off, but the monster ended up beating him apparently. So he didn't fight off that well. 
but doctors uh, looked at the watchman and I don't know if this actually killed him, but the, the people, the doctors who looked at him said that he had intense burns all over his body, mm. which is super weird. I yeah. feel like in 1971, like granted, it's just a story. We don't know if it's true, but in 1971, I feel like that's, you could have photographic evidence. You could, you know, actually, right. I don't know. Hmm. Just thoughts. It, wow, it seems wow, 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 wow. just like James said. But over the years, <laughs> lots of paranormal investigations and ghost hunting TV shows have done little investigations at the site, and apparently, a ton of them have found "quote unquote" evidence of paranormal activity. Lots of unexplained sound bites, where you're like, you know, they're in there and they say, "Is there a ghost in here?" And then it, you hear it like, bing, bing, and they're like, "Oh, it's, it said I'm here." You know, <laughs> yes. so lots of those. And then there's also apparently some video footage that was caught on camera. And I tried looking at the footage online, but I got super creeped out just because it's a creepy looking place. So I didn't actually like watch all the way through because I got too scared. I was also at a coffee shop and I didn't feel like, you know, screaming in front of strangers. <laughs> but you all can look it up on YouTube if you want to see some some creepy weepies. But during the fall... They actually turn the furnace into a haunted attraction so that people can go get their boo on, kind of like Waverly. Oh, fun. Like, James, you can go to Sloss Furnace if you want. Mm. I would prefer to stay 100 miles away. James, you are totally free. You are <laughs> your own person. You can make your own decisions. You can go. But <laughs> one website... <laughs> <laughs> One website where I got information on uh, on this topic was called BrannonHonda.com. And I think the other one, it was specifically, let me look it up really quickly. So I want to give them a shout out because they had um, some very good information. Sloss Furnace Haunted. It was FrightFurnace.com was my other source. But on BrannonHonda.com of the event, they say, quote, You'll surely want to visit the furnace this Halloween, but you will want to make a quick escape if things get too scary. Visit Brandon Honda in Birmingham, Alabama. Before your trip to the furnace, we will hook you up with a new vehicle that will give you a quick out if you need to make an escape. Which I think is just an excellent way to wrap up your blog post on the subject if you're just a car dealership. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought that was a very... <laughs> very creative. Yeah, I, I read through the entire thing, and it's like, I didn't even look at the source, like, what the website was, because I'm, like, trying to match and corroborate, does this information match this information from other websites that I've seen? <laughs> and then at the very end, I realized, oh, this is a car dealership. So, anyways, if you want a car, you should guys, you guys should go there and tell them that the 30th floor sent you. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, use promo code thirteen four. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys, that is the Sloss Furnace, dangerous place to work. So, Oof. yeah, steel and fun. iron. Alex, what are you Oof. talking about? Yeah, so you know, you know, you all know that sometimes I, I do things a little different. You know, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> And I figured you all would go with more life-threatening to the worker type thing. You know, conventional thought between the two of you. Because our topic was dangerous yeah. jobs. Uh, well, yeah, and I work, I, I think, outside the box con- okay. consistently. <laughs> oh, no. But, I, you know, I decided to put a little bit of the old Alex twist on this, which just means I don't really give our requester exactly what they asked for, but... Everyone's still going to be leaving satisfied nonetheless. Okay. So uh, I wondered, wanted to cover this unique position in the world of jobs. Subway pushers. Subway pushers. That's right. The subway pusher. Yeah. Anyone familiar with what a subway pusher is? No. What's a subway pusher? All right. James? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, subway pushers are this position that was prevalent in Japan in the early 1900s. And in order to c- control the flow of traffic, because uh, Tokyo is really packed. I, I know most people probably know this, but it is insane. There are lots of people <laughs> How many there. people are there? So there's lots of traffic there at the subways. And so they figured a way to make these trains more efficient was to hire these pushers that were hired. And, and essentially all they do is they shove these people into these trains so tight that they would often be filled over 200%. Are you capacity. serious? So they fit them in there like sardines? Yeah, these pushers physically force people into the trains while the door while they try to get the doors closed. Wow. Oh my God. And the, and the train. Can go about its merry way with car after car of people packed together like sardines. Oh my god! This makes me think. There's a Steppenwolf song called "The Pusher," and it's about drug dealers. But it could totally be repurposed to describe this. (laughs) So, of course, you know when they when they were first brought to areas like Tokyo's uh, Shinjuku Station, they were called. Passenger arrangement staff. That's like the fancy, mm, yeah. the fancy term for yeah, it. Yeah, a bit more formal sounding uh, than uh, tin can filler. Mm-hmm. I would. <laughs> so these pushers, they wear white gloves. So you know, you, it's clear who you need to run away from when you see these people <laughs> coming. <laughs> In 2012, I really encourage people to look this up. In 2012, photographer Michael Wolf took some pictures. Uh, in a series called Tokyo Compression. And I think they're absolutely hysterical photos. Um, some people might think they're sad. <laughs> but oh my I think they're really funny. So he went to the station and he took pictures of all these people pressed up against all the glass surfaces. Some people were flicking the camera off because they see them. But all these people are stuff. That is awful. It's the class. So again, Tokyo Compression. Look it up. It's a really cool series, actually. Uh, I'm glad he did. So, um, yeah, it's just a great little exercise in enjoying in the misery of others. So Alex. these, so these these packings lead to some real issues, though. Um, and it's not for the people doing the job. This is actually dangerous for the people being crammed in there. Yeah, like yeah. if there's not enough space. Exactly. So, I mean, can you imagine the issues that occur when you have 200% capacity? How oh impossible God. would it be to get, if you really needed help, how impossible would it be to get that help? Well, that. If there's an emergency, like what can you do like yeah. hope that you're packed in tight? Like, so say the train derails. Do you just hope that you're packed in so tight that nothing moves? <laughs> like, well, what, do you, what do you do in I that also scenario? Think about like in the days and times now where it's like, you're supposed to be maintain a six foot distance from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. So yeah. It, it, again, and like, yeah, that's true too. You're like, everyone's probably coughing and sneezing on each other. It's pretty bad. And short, people actually suffer a risk that I would never have considered. They actually suffer a risk of being smothered by taller people's oh coats. Oh my gosh. That's something I would have never considered. <laughs> I know. So people can be smothered by other people's coats. And getting off of the train is like a physical feat of endurance. 
And yeah, what if you get? What if you're in the middle of the train when your stop comes up? Yeah, you gotta you gotta fight your way out of there. Oh Man. my lord! <laughs> yes. So yeah, it's crazy. This is upsetting me. And then there's obviously some other issues with this. This many people packed in, you're gonna have pickpocketers. Like they're, they're oh, gonna be yeah. all over that'd the place. Easy. That'd be easy. And man. Japan is actually notorious for this other thing on trains, and that's gropers. Ew. Yeah. So. There are some real issues that are actually happening on these trains. Do they still do this today? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do. They've still they still got do. pushers. Yeah, no, I mean, they're they're not, not right they're not because they're not yeah not not literally right now because they're having a big COVID issue right now. But they do. They still have pushers. They, now they're they're not as uh, out and about as they used to be. So they used to be hired. They're there throughout like the entire day. Now they're only there for like certain blocks of time. Japan has actually gotten better about. Like letting people know what the flow is in there so that like, hey, it's going to be lighter this time, come later. And that way people can avoid the push. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Gravy. Yeah. So it, it, it has gotten better, but it, it's still pretty bad. So funny enough, like I, I was uh, I wanted to read something about someone who did this job and. There's a guy who in Japan who this is on Quora, so we do have to take it with a grain of salt. But it's he does a claim story. right because it's a personal story, and he was saying that um, one of the funny things about his position is that so they have a lot of trains there, a lot of trains, and, a and and they run a pretty tight schedule. But what's odd is people are waiting for another train so much that. It actually is a burden that they have so many trains. It's like this weird paradox because mm. instead of people just getting on the train when they get there and going, they keep waiting. And but when they wait, that creates more of a crowd, and then they keep creating this more of a crowd. And so, it, the the action, the efficiency of them using all these trains is like completely lost on the crowds because wow. they're not doing what they're supposed to. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, like, this is one thing that always baffles me is just the existence of traffic because you always, you get stuck in traffic. I understand if there's like a wreck or something that is physically blocking the road, mm-hmm. but sometimes you're driving in traffic, you're sitting there and it happened all the time in Atlanta when I was going to my office, but you're just sitting there, you're sitting there, you're sitting there and then you get past this point and it's like, there was literally nothing there. Why was I stuck in traffic for two hours? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I see that sometimes I'm, I am baffled. It doesn't make any sense. No. Now imagine if someone physically packed all these cars together. Um, so um, actually, what's interesting is some other countries have actually adopted the pusher. Uh, Madrid did actually when, so they had a big line of trains go down. And as a result, in the increase of traffic, they had to hire pushers to cram people onto these trains for mm-hmm. a brief period of time. No. Yeah. And then China has actually started do, is doing it as well, which that doesn't is surprise not me surprising. All. Yeah. And uh, oh, oh yeah, uh, one more detail about Japan's pushers. Um, it wasn't their idea; it was ours. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, we actually started doing this in New York City before anybody else. Yeah, did. I was gonna say if you watch uh, Sergeant York, which is a movie about my cousin, um, there's a funny scene where um, this guy from New York is trying to explain to Sergeant York that he's a pusher, and he doesn't get it at all because he's. He doesn't, he's never seen a subway. He doesn't know how that works. <laughs> yeah. So it's just utterly alien to him. It's a pretty funny scene. 
Yeah, so we, we we actually had guards and police that were physically pushing people into the right areas mm. uh, so that they could cram themselves. And we were actually <laughs> yeah, um, we were actually like being pretty belligerent towards them and threatening in a, in a way like it, it, it was really frowned upon. It's step easy to lively. see why he didn't fly in New York. Yeah, yeah. Step lively was a phrase that they would frequently use on the intercoms to step, step lively onto the train. Was a phrase they would frequently use, and it was like so big that it was actually pretty prominent in a lot of media uh, back in the twenties. Like, there's even a Bugs Bunny cartoon where he is a train operator and he pushes a gorilla onto a car. <laughs> and there's actually several movies about pushers: Subway Sadie and Night, uh, Wolf's Clothing, The Big Noise, and Love Overnight. All have pushers in them. <laughs> and so, yeah, and they were actually also there's a actually a biographical movie called Pusher from 1941. Weird. So, if you want to learn more about pushers, there's some media out there for you if you want to see what it was like. So you you did you took a spin, Alex, on the topic. You didn't talk about a dangerous to- job, but you talked about a job that is more dangerous for the yeah the recipients. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, geez. <laughs> Told you, I think outside the box. You did. You thought outside the box, but you know what? I think it's time to to do vase. Time. Put our hand inside the vase and draw a topic for next week. Yeah. All right. Just give me one. All right, you guys. Next week we are talking about modern day vampires. Ooh. And this topic was submitted to us by Aiden. So, Aiden, thank you for sending this in. James, you're going to have to help us come up with that. I'm doing Vlad the Impaler. You know, we've done him already because he's still alive. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, he's our co host. Yeah, remember? exactly. All right. All right. Well, do you guys have anything you want to add about dangerous jobs before we say goodnight? No, but mm-hmm. I do want to say this. <laughs> Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find it by you can find it on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. I like that you didn't even give James a chance to say if he had anything nope. he wanted to. I already read his mind. Okay, read good. See, you're See? lucky this time because no. sometimes James has a very insightful little comment. Mm. Whatever. All right, you guys. Until next week, we hope that you can keep it strange. Look at James and his peach. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs>